Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories podcast. My name is Dr. Brandon Beck, and I am so excited for you to be here to join us today. This podcast was originally a live show that was aired across several different social media platforms. The goal of this show is to amplify the stories of amazing people, which serve as inspiration for your journey. Your story matters. It tells us who you are and who you want to be. Enjoy this opportunity to hear from these innovative thought leaders as they discuss what it means to unlock unlimited potential. If you are looking for an opportunity to connect further with me after this show, please visit brandonbeckedu.com to learn more about my speaking, coaching, consulting, and other offerings that are designed to help you and your organization find greater results in your journey. All right. Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories show. So excited for you all to be here. So excited to have you. Jimmy, it's so great to have you here. How you doing, my man? Thank you, Brandon. Feeling good. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Looking forward to the next half hour or so. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's been a, a real labor of love here putting together this last seasons of this show and being able to watch that video and seeing all those amazing people. I know you know a lot of those people as well. Some awesome inspirational educators out there. And I'm excited to dive into your story today and talk a little bit about your role and what's going on for you these days. And we've been talking about all the crazy stuff that's happened in 2021 as well. So man, we could be on here for hours, but we're going to keep it short and sweet for everybody today. So Jimmy, I know a lot of people know who you are out there, but just in case anybody doesn't know, would you love to give us a little bit of an introduction? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like many uh, educators out there, you know, I went into the profession and uh, started like everybody else straight out of college and served as an educator for 26 years. Um, I was a classroom teacher, started my career in Milwaukee Public Schools, taught bilingual education for four years. Took my first principalship at the age of 26 and then served in that role as school leader in three districts over that time in Wisconsin and then back to the state of Iowa where I'm born and raised and served as a school leader for 22 years and retired, believe it or not, five years ago already. It's hard to believe it's already been five years. That's what's crazy for me and decided uh, because of a blessing of a book that uh, thankful for Dave Burgess. We were talking about that for encouraging me to write a, a solo book. Um, you know, became a best-selling book and allowed me and gave me the opportunity financially and economically to do some other things and to take some risks, I guess, and to go see if I could make a living at this crazy job that we call, uh, you know, the education and all, uh, you know, speaker and, you know, presenter and so forth. So I uh, feel very blessed. And um, so, yes, yeah, so the last five years, you know, the, the first two years, to be honest with you, I start off and I'm kind of just doing my own thing, right? Speaking and presenting. And then you know, as we were talking about before the podcast started, just, you know, as an entrepreneur now thinking differently, right? Thinking differently, no longer as an educator and getting over those feelings that many educators feel that, you know, I think we're a very humble profession. 
And sometimes where it's a little difficult and challenging for us to kind of, you know, talk about ourselves, I guess, for lack of a better word. But Dave was really instrumental in that, right? Reminded me, Jimmy, you have a story and people need to hear the story. And the only way they're going to hear the story is if, you know, people know what you do and you're out there and you're promoting it right a little bit. And so you're always trying to find that balance because you don't want to, you know, self-promote too much, but you are a business now and you have to see it differently. So that means you have to market, you have to be more intentional on those types of things. And so after a couple of years of doing that, I have a couple of good mentors that are in the business world and said, Jimmy, you know, so what's, where, where does this go now? Right. Cause you, you're only one person. You can only work so many hours. You can only do so much. And, uh, you know, I'm an alcoholic, uh, alcoholic. Well, I'm not an alcoholic, but, um, uh, <laughs> you have an alcoholic family. I don't know if that counts or not. There's a, Freudian no, uh... a workaholic <laughs> is what I meant to say. And, um, and love to work, right? It's a passion of mine. That's something that my parents instilled up in me as a very young age to make hard work my passion, because then I could grow up and do anything I wanted to do and be successful at it. And so I decided to listen to my mentors and stand, began to be a little bit more strategic and then decided to move towards more of uh, building more of a team of people, right? And I shifted, even though I still do keynotes and workshops and presentations, I shifted more to a leadership coaching company because I'm a big believer that, you know, leaders need support and need coaching. I think everybody needs a coach. And I, I know what I didn't know. And I wish I would have had a coach, right? And I didn't have a coach until my 16th year, Brandon, which is crazy that it took 16 years for me to get a leadership coach. And that person walked into my building and changed my life really in many ways because he, he, he let me see or showed me so many things I wasn't seeing about leadership or even understood about leadership. And I knew right then and there that that's someday I wanted to do that. And I was blessed enough to have that opportunity. And so today I'm excited to, you know, have a, a large, you know, uh, successful company, I should say, uh, that we do leadership coaching all over the country. And, uh, as we just shared two years ago, I expanded again and and start a publishing company. And so as an entrepreneur, I'm always looking at different ways to impact the, the educational field. And I feel that, um, you know, I feel like I have something to offer and I believe in myself and, and believe in the work that I do and believe passionately about the work that we all do as educators and, and know that people want to be great at what they do. And unfortunately, uh, they're left to their own accord. And so how do we support people to become the best versions of themselves? So that's what I try to do every day. And and try to live by those same values myself. Wow. There's a lot in there to unpack because there's a whole bunch of greatness going on in there. That's amazing. You know, we talked about titling this, this show before was live your excellence, you know, and it's titled after your book as well. And, and when you're talking about living your excellence and you're talking about the coaching journey, I mean, we do talk a lot on this show about the coaching journey. Darren Peppard was just on last show. He's also a coach as well. And, you know, coaching changed my life, you know, being able to have a coach come in and, and, and work with me. And I actually, I got it a coach at the beginning of the pandemic. So, you know, mm -hmm. it took me 17 years to get that coach. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I can understand that, but it was the greatest thing I'd ever done. And, yeah. You know, when you talk about coaching and, and and being able to work with educators or just people in general who are growing their businesses and just being able to see the fire that they have in their belly for something that's going to make the greater good. Right. Or maybe mm -hmm. that fire is not there yet and we have to throw some kindling at it and try and figure out why it's not, you know, why it's not a bonfire at this point. 
you know, and just being able to see that um, is really an amazing thing. Talk a little bit about, you know, I know you're working with a lot of people in, in the past years through this pandemic. Talk a little bit about some of the trends you're seeing out there, um, the challenges that educators are facing, because you just explained a bunch of challenges, you know, that you went through along the way, you know, to believe in yourself to get to this point. And here you are now and, and just amazing credentials. So I'd love to hear more yeah, about what you yeah. see out there. I appreciate I think there's a lot of parallels, right? It's really funny because, you know, I do reflect on this a lot. And last night, as I was sharing with you, we had a meeting last night with our associates and I, I did share this with them. And, you know, I kind of go back as in my early career, right? When I first started as a principal, right? They hand you the keys, you go in, you do the very best you can, right? And again, as I said, I know I wanted to be effective. I know I wanted to be a great principal. I was excited. I couldn't wait. But let's be honest, there's not a lot of support. And there still isn't even in most cases today. I mean, support really means today somebody maybe assigned you a mentor. But let's be honest, those mentors have their own job. <laughs> they have their own work to do. And for the most part, you know, it starts off, you know, hey, let's meet. And there's really not a goal or really a plan. And hey, I'm available if you need something. But let's be honest, I don't want to reach out to that individual either. I don't want to bother them, right? I don't want to bother them. Um, I feel like I'm 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 bothering them. Or in 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 addition to that, I also don't want to let people know that I don't know what I'm doing. And so what happens unintentionally is people just become become very isolated, and, and they're just doing the very best they can. Well, now you know you go through this era, and now we go to this pandemic, and and really what I've seen here in the last really even more so in the last year, even though it probably started a couple of years ago, but it's really come to light, at least in my experiences and the principles that I'm working with on site and coaching is that I see the same issues come up over and over. And that is, I don't know how to say it other than to share that I feel like our, our school systems right now are like almost in systemic trauma. And what I mean by that is everyone's kind of hesitating and they're hesitating because they're not clear what they're supposed to do. There's this lack of clarity, lack of direction. And it's no one's fault. It, it's just happening because people are hesitating because, well, let's be honest, we're in the midst of something people don't know how to respond to it. It's so new and, and it's like, okay, so what do I do next? And unfortunately, because of what happens in our communities and because of all the other external factors that impact and influence what happens in our field, uh, whether it's a superintendent or whether it's a building leader or a classroom teacher, people are just hesitating because, well, no one wants to make the right wrong decision, right? Because we know what that's going to mean. You're going to get beat up. And, and so that causes a lot of anxiety in people. It's very stressful. Um, and so this is what I've been observing here over the last year. And then I think what happened, Brandon, at some point there was this shift. I think building leaders began to recognize my teachers are exhausted, right? Uh, we have people coming out uh, or not being able to go to work. And so for now, we're struggling to find coverage. We don't have subs. Uh, people are covering for one another. Um, you know, we're, we're quickly switching to virtual school. Then we come back and we have hybrid school. And then we come back and we transition to in-person, not probably realizing we probably needed to spend some time again, almost like kids were starting school for the first time. It's like a retraining for the students as well. And quite frankly, for the staff. Where do we begin school, right? What's the learning loss? Where's the gap? Do we just pick off where we left off? I mean, all these, and, and, and these are very complex, complex issues that there's no just simple one answer for it. 
And so what I think happened, Brandon, is that leaders began to do so much because they cared so much that they knew that, hey, as a leader, I got to take care of my staff, right? I got to take care of them. They're struggling. Their mental health is struggling. They're not able to come to work. Uh, they're responding in ways. They're breaking down. They're emotional. They're exhausted. Uh, people are leaving the profession. They're talking about quitting. I mean, all these things. And so the principals are left to their own accord to say, I've got to do something. And I think in doing something, they try to figure out ways to make it. I'm going to use the word easier for their teachers. Okay. I think that's what they try to do with really good intentions. Well, when they did that, they began to begin to do work that really it's hard for a principal to run a school when you're down here in the fire taking care of all the daily stuff. For example, principals covering all lunchroom duties, principals taking care of all morning check-in duties, principals covering classes, principals on a daily basis. I'm not talking about once here or once there. And again, yeah, we should be doing that, right? But I'm talking consistently, like doing it every day. And so it's a catch-22 for principals because every time they're in the fire, they're not accessible. They're not available. They're not visible. They're not able to get in classrooms. They're not doing, they're doing, they're kind of checking the box too. Not their own fault, but it's really hard to invest more time when you don't have time because you're doing these other things. And so I think the biggest challenge right now is that principals have to figure out a way to pull themselves out of the fire a little bit because I do think they're doing too much. They have to be a little bit more strategic and going back and re realizing, listen, I'm gonna have to build capacity. I'm gonna have to grow and develop my people. I've gotta be more strategic in using my department chairs or my grade level teams, specifically around the building leadership team to help me lead the organization so I get myself back out of the fire. And so I'm gonna have to be really intentional in empowering people again, but I'm going to have to teach people because you can't just turn it over. So we have to be more strategic in investing time, growing, developing our people, building that leadership capacity, and quite frankly, looking at collective. What are the collective commitments we have as a staff? Because it's going to have to be all hands on deck and we're going to have to take care of one another and we're going to have to keep sharing those struggles. It can't be one individual covering or it can't be one, the same teacher. It's got to be all of us rotating through. So we don't exhaust any one individual, right? It's kind of like the same thing when principals make mistakes, they keep going to the same people over and over, right? They go to them for PD, they go to them to get on a committee, they go them to extra, extra help. Well, the reality is we go to the same 10, 20% of staff and we exhaust our best people because we haven't done a very good job of building capacity with the other 70, 80% of the staff that also could be a part of supporting that. But for whatever reason, principals are kind of being selective and therefore they're exhausting their their best people and so now i have to, i believe we have to be really intentional now yeah no and i think that goes back to a lot of what you were saying before you know like even it's that confidence it's that that's that ability to be able to go outside of the comfort zone outside of the circle of the 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 inner circle of the staff that you're comfortable with dealing with and easy to ask but now you got to go outside of the circle where it may be a little bit more uncomfortable for you and yeah. i think that i think that is something that i'm noticing too as well in this work is the lack of self-efficacy and the constant challenge to your self-efficacy your self-confidence on a daily basis that happens to to educators i mean think about all of these changes that you talked about and 
it's it comes back to one of the you know the essential human needs certainty mm -hmm. and that right there is a trigger for all those other things the uncertainty of this situation not knowing what's to come has really especially in an, such a wide scale for education it's really sent people to new depths not only in themselves but also new depths to to overcome because of the difficulty with hey i got to go outside of my comfort zone and now i got to work on this group that's outside of it or maybe i got to reach out and ask them for a favor maybe i got to ask them or learn a little bit more about them than i already do and you know that wall right there you're trying to break down that wall for them to see is that hey all of this staff, I mean, you're you're operating 25% of your staff right now. Imagine if you were operating 75 to 85% yeah. of your staff and everybody was feeling a part of this. I think that that is totally important, especially now that educators are stuck inside of classrooms and really not going out into the halls much. Or maybe they're on the verge of what if we have to go back into remote teaching? And, you know, I know teachers that are in New York City that are already getting emails saying, get ready, it might come again. And yeah. that it, uncertainty, just battling that leads to so many challenges for educators and and that stretched thin that you're talking about and building that collective efficacy, I think is really crucial. And so the how, right? So what? how do you do it? How do you get in there? And how do you, how do you really enforce change? And how do you encourage other educators to reach outside of themselves to take the next step, to take the next leap, to overcome what's what's coming. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of challenges that come with that as well for many, many reasons, right? And that's the hard part because it isn't just do this one thing and do this one thing. It, it's really a combination of many, many, many things that come together. And quite frankly, Brandon, if I'm being really honest, a lot of issues that are, that are currently happening in schools culturally, right? The truth of it is a lot of these schools already had issues culturally before prior to the pandemic. And so what has happened is it's just compounded, right? It's like it's like the like the virus exposed all our deficiencies in our schools, right? And this is why it's so important to recognize that when you don't have a healthy culture, right? When it's dysfunctional, anything that's a crisis like that just elevates it to a whole nother level and it's hard to recover right i mean you are literally sucked underneath the current right and so that's why it's so complex because there really aren't any easy answers there are certainly some things you can do i do think that will will help but it depends where you're at currently right and so there are definitely some cultures and some some organizations that they're in trouble uh, but they were already in trouble prior to the pandemic. And now it's just, it's, it, I don't have an easy answer. I'm not a magician. So I tell people all the time, listen, people, I can't just come in and, you know, you do this or that. It's it's almost like a, a, a redo, right? It's almost a restart in many ways. You wish that it was just a recalibration, right? That's what I think. Healthier cultures are just recalibrating a little bit where, where cultures that were struggling almost really have to hit the restart button. But there are still some things that people can do, right? And no doubt about that, right? So I often talk about this whole idea of, you know, systemically is that healthy organizations spend the majority of their time, their leaders, I should say, spend the majority of their time working on the system. So what I mean by system is if you're a, if you're a superintendent, they're very laser focused and very strategic how they're constantly working on their strategic plan. It's clear, 
people know their role, there's data being collected, they're responding to that, they're having conversation, they have their processes in place. It's a really healthy culture. Um, and so systemically, superintendents, you know, and that's where they should be. And if building principle, that to align with that is like a building principle needs to be really clear. What are our building goals this year, right? What are they? What have we been working on? It's the same processes, right, that mimic what's happening in central office, uh, central office. So when I say working on your system, I mean, principles should be focused, laser focused on those building goals, those building initiatives. I mean, after all, that's what that's kind of like their vision of where we're going as a school collectively. Well, if they're not spending time there, that means there's no movement. The, the organization is not growing. It's just stagnant. And what it is, it starts just putting out fires. It's constantly putting out fires everywhere, right? And so what happens is we're working harder and harder and harder, but we're not getting any results. And we're actually kind of going backwards. And so it's like, geez, I work at the end of the day. I feel like I worked really hard on the show for it. And then over time, we're all over the place. And so... So that's what happens. And so typically you want to spend the majority of time working systemically on your organization. And then you want to spend, you know, anything I say, you know, that's where you want to spend the majority. So that would be more, more than 50% of your time, right? As majority. So more than 50% of your time should be working on your systems. But then we also know that people play a huge part in that system. So the good news is, I tell people is, if you can work on your people, when you work on your people, that means you're being really intentional and in growing, developing their skill sets, right? Giving them the right tool sets, the right strategies, making sure their mindsets and their hearts are in the right place. When you're very, very intentional on that, you're still working on the system, right? And so that the good news is the more you work on your people, well, then the less fires you're going to have because it's your people that create the fires. But they don't do them intentionally, right? They're doing the best they can. And so what happens is right now is we're inverted. We're upside down, right? It's like we're in an episode of The Stranger Things, right? We're upside down. We have school leaders right now spending the majority of their day, 70, 80, 9% of their days in the fire. All they're doing is putting out fires all day long. Deal with classroom management issues, deal with discipline, deal with parent complaints, uh, scrambling at the last minute because they got to do this and they got to do that because their communication is ineffective. They're not, they're not organized. I mean, there's all sorts of fires that are happening. And so think about it. That means they're never working on their system. They're just in their fire every day. And that's what I see happening. And so strategically, what we got to do is, well, how do, if I'm going to be in the fire, well, then I might as well work on my people while I'm in the fire, because that's the only way I can get out of the fire. So if I have a teacher who's struggling with a student and they're writing that student up every day and sending that student out on a referral, or I have a student that's not coming to school on a consistent basis, right? Then I better work on my people. That means I need to spend more time intentionally working on the student. I need to spend more time working on the staff. And that kind of gets me to my three whys of what you can do. And it's not the why of Simon Sinek. Sure, we have to remember why we went in the profession, right? And there's no better person who can do that and explain all that than Simon Sinek. But I'm talking about a couple other different kinds of why that I think we have to be really intentional about that. And the first one is, well, why do the children behave that way? And why are teachers writing students up every day? In other words, the why of the behavior. And when I talk about culture, I talk about how people behave in the organization. So if we're not willing to invest time in those relationships to understand that story, in other words, why is that student misbehaving on a consistent basis? Why is that teacher getting so frustrated and sending that student out? 
If we don't address that why, in other words, work on our people to understand that behavior, then we just get stuck in the fire, right? But we've convinced ourselves that we don't have time to do that. But here's the irony of it. Actually, we do because notice we always have time for the fire, right? But if we could just reframe it for ourselves and say, but look, if I'm in the fire, if I take more time on the front end to work on that fire, then I can save myself time on the back end, right? And that back end is critical because we convince ourselves we don't have the time, so we don't front load it. And front loading is critical. That's the investment. When I talk about front, I'm talking about investing personal time to understand the why. When we do that, we get better results and we don't spend as much time on the back end, which is still time. We trade it. So I'm going to spend it on the front end rather than the back end because that back end is exhausting. It's not a lot of fun. And then the second part of that why is we need to invest more time and take our time to explain to people why we're doing what we're doing. Pushback comes when there's lack of clarity. We're telling people to do something. They don't even understand why we're doing it. And when we keep telling people to do things, we create this culture of compliance unintentionally. And that's not a healthy culture either. And in Live Your Excellence that you brought up earlier, that's what I try to help people understand. It's because they're not invested in this, people. They're checking the box on you. They're just going through the motions. They're not, they don't, they're not because you keep doing it to them. They don't even understand why you're asking them to do this. And that's what's really critical. And so as you can see, all this really comes back to the foundation of relationships investing time in people, growing, developing people, understanding why they behave the way they behave. And so therefore we have to compartmentalize it. And that's the thing I'd say the last thing is leaders have to be really strategic and quit doing this and looking at it this way and start compartmentalizing it and breaking it down just like a good teacher breaks content down to help people see it and understand it and then help people and provide the resources, the guidance, the support, the tools, the strategies, all that to help them get themselves out of their own fires that they're creating for themselves. And so it really comes back to growing, developing people, but you got to know your people first, which means you got to build relationships. But some people don't even know how to do that. And it's all about connections, right? And that's why connections are so powerful because people perform at high levels when they trust the people they work with. And that's what's critical in culture. Wow. That was something right there. My neck hurts from nodding so much because I'm in, I agree with everything. <laughs> and I love it because it goes back to this idea of, you know, it does start with you at the beginning of it all. Like at the end of the day, it starts with you. And if you're not willing to take those risks, if you're not willing to step out of that comfort zone to look inward and say, hey, I got to work on this. I may not be as well prepared in this and I'm ready to do X, Y, and Z. And coming back to that idea in relationships, I make so many connections with that, you know, and that's what it is, you know, a lot of times that I'm running into as I see this work happening and I speak to guys like yourself, they're constantly speaking and talking about that, that, you know, inside of us is, you know, one way or the other way we can go, you know, be fully confident or we can kind of go the other way and, and take ourselves to a place where we're not producing, we're not being productive. We're not being what we're really, really capable of. We're not living up to our truest potential because of 
those things that are getting in the way. And sometimes having somebody come in and point that out and saying, hey, okay, what can we fix with you? And then let's fix what's outside of that. And then what is it that you're looking for in the process and getting themselves to take to the next step is really what it's all about. And I just love the way you do that. You know, one thing that I've been really amazed with in in your line of work as well is I've really been amazed with the number of books you've put out because you got a couple, you got, you have a whole bunch of different books going on right now. I've seen the book with the quotes. I've seen the, the, uh, the live your excellence, culturize, um, et cetera. I just love that you've started this, this conversation off with saying, ah, I wasn't really interested in writing a book. And now all of a sudden you have these, you have a slew of them. So how did you get to that point where you just felt like what you were saying mattered? Because I feel like that's something a lot of educators struggle with. Yeah, well, here's the irony, Brandon. I don't like to write. I, I try to avoid it as much as possible, to be honest with you. Uh, you can't see this, but right here up to my left, first of all, is a whiteboard, and it's filled with all sorts of just my nonsense that's in my head, okay? Because I just got to release it. So that's how it starts. I mean, it's just, it's right there. Like, I know that's a book right there. Now I just got to write it. But I, all those little things are a, a topic that I can write about. But I'll be honest, all that is really information and content, I should say, that I'm seeing in the field, right? So that's what I do. I go into buildings, I see all this stuff, and then it's content for me. So the content that I write about and speak about is the content that educators are giving me, right? They have these issues, they have these problems of practice, they don't know what to do, they don't know how to respond. Of course we don't. This is the difficulty of our job. We go into the job and quite frankly, and not trying to be mean, I'm even talking about myself, we're not prepared for the for the complexities and the challenges that that job is gonna bring at us, right? And that's what people just have no idea. And that's why I'm just so empathetic towards our educators because it is so unfair, unfair to believe that people have all these tools and are ready to walk in and do this. And, it, and there's a curve, it takes time to learn this. The problem is we're in an era that nobody wants to give us any time. It's it's soon it's it's the cancel culture era, right? As soon as we screw up, some parent or some person is complaining and wants you fired, or they want a different teacher, or they want they it's it's there's there's no opportunity for growth, right? It's so unfair, and so no well no wonder people are hesitating, right? I don't want to make a mistake because I'm afraid I'm afraid someone's gonna you know be out for my job, and that's just not a good place to be. So. So that's the work I kind of do. And, and part of it is just trying to, I know when I write, Brandon, honestly, it reminds me of when I was a student, first of all, and I, I hated writing. I wasn't a successful student. So it, it, it creates, reminds me what that feeling was like. I started my career in, in a city and my experience over those 26 years in education is that lack of uh, confidence in writing and reading creates a lot of issues for our students and they lose confidence. And this is why many are not successful. And yet as adults, we ask kids to do this every day. And so it's a reminder to me that when I have to force myself to write, it reminds me of what it feels like to be a kid again. So I never forget what it feels like to be a student and therefore I won't be as critical. I'll be more empathetic because I know what that feels like, right? How difficult that is. And so that's where I kind of get the motivation to kind of write. And, and I do believe in myself and I do believe I believe I'm an effective teacher. I know I am because, I mean, the feedback that give, people give me that I coach. And I'll give you one small example. Like you shared just now, you talked about 
you know, these things that we have to fix, right? And even things like that are small little nuances that can, if I can share it differently with you, then what I try to do is I don't try to fix people and I don't try to solve problems anymore. What I try to do, and you kind of talked about this, is I first reflect on my own behavior. I see what I brought, how I reacted, how I responded, how I share the information, my processes that I use, all these things. When I don't get the result that I want, I don't look outward anymore. I used to, I did it for 12 years as a principal, I looked outward. But I know that the most effective leaders look inward first and say, no, Jimmy, your process was ineffective. You need to change you to get a better result. And I try to help people see it differently. So I don't try to fix or change or solve problems anymore. What I try to do is change me. And when I change me, what I've learned is if I can break it down and influence people to see what they can't see, then maybe just maybe they'll change their own behavior. And that, again, is a healthier culture because it's not compliance. You're doing it because you now see it. It's like that aha moment. Oh, I get it. And now you try it, you like the results, therefore you change because you know you'll get a better result. And that's what I love about coaching, right? Because that's, it's like, you know, you coach soccer, it's the same thing. It's seeing that kid understand, this is why I want you to attack from this angle. When you attack from this angle, do you see the result you'll get? And then they see it, they experience it, you create an experience for it, and now they want to replicate that experience. And that's the best coach. The ineffective coach just keeps yelling to the kid, do it, do it. And he doesn't understand why. Because I said so, just do it, right? But he doesn't understand and he does it out of fear. He does it out of, he doesn't want to get in trouble. He doesn't want to lose playing time. It's no different. The parallels are the same. And I think that's why I am an effective coach because I've learned to understand how to break things down for people to help them see it differently. And hopefully I try to model what I'm coaching and that is to empower people and to build their skill sets so they don't need me anymore eventually. That's the whole idea. But anyway, again, it's not perfect. I know I'm not always effective, but I believe that I can be. And I think that's half the battle, believing in yourself that you have something to offer that can help people. So that's what I try to do. That is definitely more than half of the battle. I appreciate that. That is completely well said i i truly appreciate that and and i agree getting a coach and and reaching out to somebody and having somebody keep you accountable is where it all starts um you know we don't really do that enough and sometimes you know think that because we're reaching out to a coach or we're reaching out to somebody is that oh it, there's something wrong here no you're actually going the exact opposite direction you're trying to go above and beyond what you are capable of because you want bigger and better. And I think that's a huge part. Talking about bigger and better, one thing we do on this show is we dedicate an episode to someone who's out there unlocking unlimited potential and all whom they serve. I know we share this acquaintance, Carl Hooker. We are going to give a shout out to him. I know you know him and you, you've worked with him a bit in the past. I've had a chance to, to connect with him a little bit in the past, but also know that he's got an awesome book coming out from my friend, great friend there, Matt Joseph over at X Factor EDU. And tell us a little bit about Carl. Yeah, Carl's got some skills. He's uh, First of all, he's funnier than funny, but he's one of those guys who's uh, he's a real innovator, right? His mind is always thinking. That's what I love about him. I mean, he's very creative. Um, he's an effective, effective teacher, obviously an effective speaker and presenter. But he's just a really all-around good person, very genuine. And I, you know, I like to surround myself with people that are really good people. I mean, I think that says a lot about people's character and so forth. And 
And uh, whether it's Matthew, Joseph that you talked about, or Carl, these are people I've done work with. We've shared work together as Future Ready School Advisors. Um, Carl and I have done work together and spoken together and, and spent time together and broken bread together quite a few times. So uh, the real deal, and I, I just, I consider him a really good friend. And in fact, he just texted me a couple of days ago too, said things, said, hey, I'm going to be publishing my book. And I said, whatever you need, I'll take care of it. And so he's awesome too. So just, I'm, that's a, that is a really, um, you got to, you picked a good one there. So funny guy too, real funny, he's really <laughs> clever, very funny as well. So. Shout out to Carl. Congrats. Right. So always out there doing great things, continuing to grow. I mean, he's got the best name in the business, too, by the way. I he mean, really he really does. Mind you. I mean, he, he really does. The best name in the business, too. <laughs> I love it. Well, listen, Jimmy, one more thing before you head out. I got to ask you to do one thing I have everybody on my show do. I like to have them complete this sentence. Unlocking unlimited potential means. Yeah, I mean, I think every day you wake up, right? And uh, I'm going to just kind of dedicate this to my parents because I think, you know, I kind of try to reflect on everything, all the things and life lessons they taught me. But certainly it's waking up every day and believing that you walk with a sense of purpose, right? And you walk with that sense of passion and you hopefully walk with a sense of pride. And whatever it is you do when you walk in, you've got to believe that you have something to offer and that if you believe it, because you got to believe it first, right? is that you got to believe you can inspire others to be more and do more than they ever thought possible. And that's what I try to do every day is try to inspire people to be the best versions themselves. And um, again, we're not always perfect. And I'm not saying I always do that, but I believe that I can. And I think that's that's half of it right there, because I know if I don't believe it, then it ain't ever going to happen. So definitely walking with that sense of purpose, passion and pride and uh, hopefully inspiring people to be more and do more than they ever thought possible. So. Again, appreciate I appreciate that today, Brandon. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Listen, so if anybody needs to find you, there's your website right there. I know you have great things coming and I know people can reach on out and check you out. And I know that they are going to be really in for a great thing by continuing to follow the awesome work that you're doing. So continue to do what you're doing. We appreciate everything. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Absolutely, Brandon. Peace out. Thank you very much. Okay. God no bless. problem. And Happy remember, life. everybody, the journey toward unlocking unlimited potential in all whom we serve begins with you. Continue to educate with passion. Have an awesome day. This podcast is proud to be a part of the Codebreaker Podcast Network and also the entire family of disruptors at Codebreaker.